0: what's up everybody and welcome back to the first and foremost podcast with your host Quentin Douglas
1: and Jimmy Covington
0: we like to welcome you guys to episode four of this podcast Jimmy how you doing bro
1: bro I'm doing pretty good man uh first week of got the first week of online classes in the books you know I've done everything I need to do
0: uh how you doing man doing pretty good myself studying for this uh media ethics exam i got tuesday but hopefully i do pretty well on it yeah i get it. Yeah, you'll do pretty good bro you know you smart appreciate that my guy oh, no problem no problem all right well we got some good topics on hand for this episode so let's get right to it uh starting off the 2020 Tokyo Olympics on last tuesday the international olympics committee announced that the Olympics will be postponed until 2021. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on that decision?
1: Uh, I figured it was coming. Uh it was it's necessary, you know. I, it's not I don't believe it's safe at this point to be continuing with the Olympics. I know, you know, I don't really know about the coronavirus in Japan, but you know, just overseas period, I don't think this is the time for travel, uh, especially for Americans, considering, you know, the amount of cases that we've had over the last, you know, week or so, the, the increase, I think it was it's it was appropriate to push back. You know, I'm obviously, you know, as a sports fan, as a basketball fan, you know, I'm I'm devastated because I want to see the Olympics. I want to see who's going to compete. I uh, wonder if it was Bron, was he going to compete this year? You know, was, was KD going to come back? It was talked about KD, you know, maybe playing in the Olympics. You know, so, you know, guys like Steph Curry, you know, I wanted to see those guys, you know, play for our country. So, you know, it's it's, like I said, it's devastating as a sports fan. But, you know, they took the appropriate action.
0: No, for sure. I'm right with you, bro. Uh, I think it was a no-brainer decision, even though I'm kind of shocked this decision didn't come weeks ago, uh, right when the NBA and the other leagues uh, decided to suspend their seasons. Uh, but I think it was crazy that they waited so long because, I mean, there were still athletes out there training and working out, thinking that the Olympics were possibly still going to happen. And just thinking like that they could have in that extra time possibly been exposed to the virus. And I think that as we're looking at it from the Olympic Committee standpoint, uh, their number one priority had to be public health. And looking at countries like Spain, Italy, and France that have already taken efforts uh, to shut down their countries, I'm really surprised that America still hasn't. And I'm I'm eager to see how this is going to turn out, but I'm really hoping that this gets contained soon and that the Olympics are still able to happen next summer because I'm a huge fan of uh, Simone Biles, and I was really eager to see her perform this summer.
1: Oh yeah, like I, you know, with you know, Italy's been hit real hard, uh, which I you know I don't really have much knowledge about uh, Italy's healthcare. They've been hit really hard for some reason. So you know, that would have been a, a flight risk, I would I would call it for lack of a better term. And I think the way Donald Trump has handled this thing in America has been terrible to say the least. Uh, people aren't listening. You know, some some states are listening, like New York and California. Some people are listening, but you know, for the most part. People aren't listening. You know, we're here in Murfreesboro. You see a bunch of people out, which, you know, the mayor has put out two stay-at-home orders. He has put out one yesterday evening, late yesterday evening. It's supposed to extend through uh, April 4th. So we'll see how that goes. You know, I went to the store today to get a few essential items I needed. You know, there were people out, you know, and hopefully they were gathering the same things, you know, getting the same thing they need, getting stuff that they needed to, you know, to go straight home. But, you know, you kind of never know. People really don't listen. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, going forward, how this thing shakes out over next year. Hopefully, you know, everything will be okay and back to normal by, you know, the summertime. But, you know, it remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, and I think I actually saw, which was kind of crazy, Italy, I think, had, like, one of the top five, like, healthcare initiatives, like, in the world, supposedly. So to see them be impacted the way that they have, and looking at the way that it's like just spreading throughout america i think it's pretty scary but yeah like you said hopefully everyone is uh getting what they need and the essential items that they need to stay in the house during this time and hopefully it can be contained by the summertime so that we can resume our normal lives
1: you know what with italy i don't think it's just necessarily the quality of healthcare. i think it's the the sheer number of cases and i think you know, the healthcare system can only handle so much at a single time. And so once it goes over the threshold, then, you know, the healthcare system kind of goes down and then it kind of, you know, heightens, you know, the risk of everything that's going on. So I think that's just the sheer number of cases. I think that's what's called a collapse. That's what has caused a collapse, you know, in the Italian healthcare system.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you on that point. Um, uh, Moving on to some NFL news. um. <laughs> Cam Newton was released by the Carolina Panthers after being their franchise quarterback. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on this move, and who do you think is his next team?
1: I think that's the worst move they could have possibly made. I don't think they did it in a in a good manner. Uh, Cam, I would say, is the best player in Carolina Panthers history, and they didn't treat him well at all. They didn't give him an option to try to find a trade suit, and they didn't give him much time at all. They waited, you know after the first week of free agency, you knew early on that you weren't going to go forward with Cam, so you should have gave him that courtesy. He's given everything, you know, he had to this organization. But, you know, on a new management, and a new coach, that kind of goes out the window, Uh, you know. But, you know, I see Cam, you know, two of the suitors, the top suitors, I believe, are the New England Patriots and, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers. Personally, I would like him to go to the Chargers, you know, because of the weapons. But the offensive line kind of is a question. You know, they added. Trey Turner, who is a former Carolina Panther, ironically. They have Mike Pouncey at center. They uh signed Brian Malage at right tackle, so they still need a left tackle and they have the number seven pick. So, you know, if you get Cam, you can use the number seven pick on a left tackle. There's some some guys at the top of the draft that are that are worthy of that that draft number. So I would like to see them go to, you know, to the Chargers. And it's crazy, you know. In 2018, you know, the year first year he had North Turner as his coordinator in a traditional offense, you know, pre the pre-shoulder injury, Cam completed 67% of his passes, had a 6-2 record with a touchdown-interception ratio of 13-4, to and he had 344 rush yards. In my opinion, he was looking better than he did the MVP year. And then, you know, that Week 10 game against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he got hit in the shoulder, and I think this is where everything fell apart. You know, post-shoulder injury. You know, his completion percentage dropped down to 64.9, almost 65. But he had an 0-8 record in a 9-10 to touchdown and interception ratio in only 144 rush yards, you know. And also, it's notable to mention, you know, in a third preseason game uh, in 2019 against the New England Patriots, he suffered a list Frank injury in his foot. You know, he played the first two games, and he just wasn't himself. And, you know, I think over this over this past season, you know, people have forgotten about Cam. People forgot that he did hurt his shoulder, you know, a year and a half ago and a Liz Frank injury to his foot, you know, as a quarterback, your feet are important, you know, whether you're a runner or not, you know, you have to be able to maneuver in the pocket. So, you know, I think injuries has hurt Cam a lot over these last few seasons. I think he can still get back to the form that he was, you know, I don't think a lot of people have faith in him, but I still do. You know, Cam has always been one of my favorite quarterbacks, you know, it, even when he was at Florida. So I think, you know, the work he's been putting in, you can see it on social media, the work he's been putting in, I think it's going to come to fruition, you know, whatever team he decides to play for this year.
0: Yeah, I'm right with you. I'm a big fan of Cam as well. But, uh, you know, just looking at the way he plays and the way he puts his body on the line, you know, he's a big dude. He's like 6'5", 240. Uh, But then you take a look at his injury history. He's had um, a left ankle injury. He's injured that ankle three times. He's had a rib fracture. Um, I don't know if you recall his car accident, but in that he fractured his lower back, uh, in week four of 2016, he suffered a concussion. He tore his rotator cuff. He also had a grade one knee strain against new Orleans in the 2018 playoffs. And then he played through the majority of 2018 with the shoulder injury, like you mentioned. And then most recently, um, he played two games in 2019 before being shut down with the, uh, the Liz Frank injury to his foot. Uh, but just looking at that latest injury, um, the most notable player that I saw had a Liz Frank injury. Le'Veon Bell had one back in 2013, uh, but he avoided surgery, so his wasn't as severe. But when he came back, he was a Pro Bowl and also first team All Pro. So I'm hoping that Cam can come back and regain his MVP form. Uh, that is a tricky injury to have. Um, I looked at it, it could be aggravated from something as easily as like stepping on someone's foot. So being a, a quarterback and a running quarterback at that, uh, he just he's just going to have to be real cautious moving forward uh, with the way he protects his body. And I think where the NFL kind of failed him which they've changed since. You know, Cam used to take a beating. I mean, he took eight sacks in that Super Bowl against the Broncos, uh, if you recall that. But ever since then, they've made these changes to make it more conducive for running quarterbacks to have success. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. I mean, sorry, Lamar Jackson. Um, But looking at his best year, uh, like you said, it was under North Turner, which – which is why I think that the New England Patriots would be his ideal landing spot, considering that they have someone established like Josh McDaniels running the offense. Uh, and just looking at it from both sides, clearly they need a replacement for Brady. And if they can't, sign, if they can't trade for Deshaun Watson, I think the next best alternative would be signing Cam Newton. And I think he fit good in that offense considering his injury history because in their system, it's predicated off of quick strike throws and running multiple concepts in the same look. And I think giving Cam the reins of that offense and his hunger and, you know, his mentality to come back and, you know, wreak havoc on the NFL, I think that works out for both sides. And I know last year Tom Brady really didn't have any weapons to throw to But the Patriots do have the necessary draft capital if they choose to go through the draft and get some help. They have uh, the number 23 pick, and they also have uh, three third-round picks as well as a plethora of late-round picks. Um, And looking at this draft class and how deep it is, I think it'll be wise if they address that position through that draft. As well as you still have Belichick, who year in and year out, is always going to have a playoff-level defense. So looking at it from that perspective and taking all that into account, I do believe, along with you, that the uh, or I believe that the New England Patriots are his best landing spot.
1: I think with the Patriots, you know, the Josh McDaniel thing is intriguing, of course. You know, he's proven to be a great offensive coordinator. You know, and the Patriots, they always mold their systems, you know, to the type of players they have. But I think you know the Patriots have lost some guys on defense, but you know Bill Belichick always finds a way. But you know when I look at you know the Chargers, you know I have questions about the the coordinate the new coordinator. But you know the defense they added Chris Harris, they also added Linval Joseph, so the back end is going to be you know very formidable. You know probably the best in the league. You know and their front seven is going you know is going to be good too with Linval Joseph and you know Melvin Ingram and you know Joey Bosa. That's going to be tough to contain too. So you know combine the defense with the weapons he has on the offensive side of the football, you know, I think that's kind of an ideal situation, you know. So, you know, for me, I would say Chargers, you know, New England isn't a bad spot either. If he went to New England, you know, that wouldn't be a bad spot either. I could see him winning with New England as well,
0: so. Yeah, and me personally, I just feel like the Chargers are probably going to use that pick on a quarterback, me personally. I mean, they're moving to L.A., So, why not bring in a fresh young face to be, you know, their franchise quarterback? But, you know, nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in due time. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely rooting for him. All right. Moving on to our next topic, Um, Bruce Arians recently in an interview uh, was asked about the idea of Antonio Brown coming and playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he blatantly shot that down and said that, no, he is not a fit for that team. Jimmy, do you think Antonio Brown will ever step foot on the NFL field again? You know, I want to say yes, but I honestly, I have no clue. Uh,
1: You know, I haven't heard much about his legal situation in the last few in the last several months, actually. So, you know, until I hear more about his legal situation, then, you know, I have no clue. Uh, in terms of talent, of course he deserves to be on the NFL roster. He deserves to be a number one receiver for some team. Uh, he's been that great over the last six or seven years. He had, had arguably one of the greatest runs we've ever seen. He had six straight 100-catch seasons, and he also had uh, six straight 1,200-yard season receiving seasons during that time. He's made seven pro Bowls. He had four straight first-team all-pro selections. So, you know, A.B. has been a monster uh, during his career. So talent-wise, of course, you know, if they can get past all the legal stuff, but, you know, until we get more information about that, I honestly can't make a – I can't say yes or no, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, I mean, I was right with you. I was a big Antonio Brown fan. I mean, I thought he was the most talented receiver of our generation outside of my boy Julio Jones. Uh, But when you take into account his talent and his personality – I think it's easy to say that he's this generation's uh, Terrell Owens or even Randy Moss. But, you know, with these recent off-the-field issues, it's going to be kind of tough to make a case for him to be in Canton one day. Uh, But looking at the situation with Bruce Arians, I thought it was pretty eye-opening because, I mean, you've had Tom Brady, who is a six-time Super Bowl champion, an MVP in this league, and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, he vouched for Antonio Brown on numerous occasions this offseason, on social media and things of that nature. Uh, So when you have someone of that caliber who's vouching for you and you still can't make the team, I think that shows right there that you're pretty much, you know, done with. And looking at Antonio Brown's history, every stop he's been to, Starting with Pittsburgh, you know, he threw Ben and Juju under the bus. Uh, looking at Oakland, he had the helmet controversy. He called out Mike Mayock, and then he unknowingly taped a phone call with John Gruden. And then also looking at his situation with his agent, I mean, Drew Rosenhaus is one of the best agents in the business. And when you get dropped by him and you tell him and, and he says, that he had no choice, at this point, like, who can trust you? And I think just taking that into account, like, no contender is going to want to sign a locker room cancer like that. When you look at contenders, you know, they want to minimize any off-the-field distractions that could possibly take place. And Antonio Brown, unless he can just make a drastic change, similar to maybe, like, what we saw with Michael Vick in his second running in the NFL, Unless he undergoes a change like that, I don't see him ever making stepping foot back on the NFL field, and I think that's pretty unfortunate.
1: I think the biggest problem with Antonio Brown, like I said, obviously we're not connected you know, with Antonio Brown, but from what I have seen, the biggest thing with him is the people around him. They're not holding him accountable at all. I think Drew Rosenhaus said he would be his agent again, but he had to get help. I don't know if Antonio Brown has gotten any help. Uh, I've seen a few interviews you know, and I've seen what he said on social media. You know, he'll go and apologize but then a day later he goes on the tirade, you know, talking about people. So, you know, kinda of never know. You know. I think I think he needs to get help. I think when he gets some help, you know, things will become more clear and I think, you know, he can maybe work his way back into the league. But you know, like you said, he has been a locker room cancer everywhere he has gone. And it's uh that's extremely unfortunate for a guy with the his talent, you know, he's a Hall of Fame level receiver. Well, with no question, but you know, the off the field stuff, you know, they made T.O. wait, uh, which is completely ridiculous considering how great T.O. was, you know, I think they, I think they made Chris Carter wait, you know, his off the field stuff, you know, early in his career. So, you know, like they, they don't really in the hall of fame, they don't really like guys who stir up controversy off the field, but you can't deny his on field talent. But, you know, I'm hopeful uh, that, Maybe he'll be on the team, you know, maybe next year. But, you know, we have time to uh, wait on the legal situation. Like, I'm very interested in that, you know. I haven't heard, like I said earlier, I haven't heard much about his legal situation in the last few months, you know. What's what's going on? Like, we, I want some updates, to be honest with you, before I can actually make a decision.
0: Yeah, I'm right with you, bro. And the thing is, too, it when he is picked up by a team – he does still have to go through Roger Goodell in the league, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna be, there's going to be some pretty stiff punishments because, I mean, on top of all the NFL-related stuff, he also has the sexual assault and the uh, the misconduct allegations against him. Uh, so I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty steep hill to climb from here, uh, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not he does actually end up on the NFL roster this season. Moving on to our next point of discussion, uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys have been in contract negotiations for almost a year now. Uh, Jimmy, what's what's your thought on that?
1: You know, I think it's encouraging that, you know, I read a report that they're having renewed conversations about a contract extension. I think that's important. You know, a lot of times when you see the franchise tag, it's, it's never really a good thing. If you think about Kirk Cousins and, you know, the Washington Redskins, he yeah, got franchise tag three straight seasons. I don't think Dak Prescott would stick around for that long. Uh, but, you know, it's encouraging. You know, I think they, I, hopefully they can get a, a contract done, you know, pretty pretty soon, you know, to avoid, you know, distraction coming into this upcoming season. Hopefully there is an upcoming season, you know, the way with co- the way the coronavirus is going, you know, you never really know. But, you know, I think, you know, Dak was looking for, like, a shorter-term deal, maybe, like, three-year deal with, like, 100-some million guaranteed. You know, I don't know if the Dallas Cowboys are, you know, willing to succeed that. Like, they wanted more of a four-year contract. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I believe a deal will get done. I'm interested to know what the number is going to be. I, I want to know what, you know, Dak is commanding because, you know, nothing has really came out from his camp. You know, I was thinking he was command, he's commanding around 40. That's what I believe is commanding, but, you know, you never really know.
0: I think, yeah, I believe it is 40.
1: I think, you know, I, I think the Cowboys offered him 33. I think they'll definitely have to come up on their numbers. I would say to about 36, maybe 37. You know, hopefully, you know, at that number, Dak is willing to, you know, you know, to, to agree with 36 or 37. I think his 40 is a little bit too much for Dak. You know, he's a good quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback. You pay elite quarterbacks $40 million. And not even an elite quarterback is getting paid that much right now. You know, Pat Mahomes is coming down the pipeline. You know, he'll definitely get as much as he wants with the amount of talent he has, you know, but, you know, hopefully they can get a deal done pretty soon as a Cowboys fan, man. I'm, I'm hoping because, you know, I like that, you know, I think he's the the quarterback for this franchise. He's the, he steadies the ship. He's the anchor that steadies the ship. So.
0: First off, thank you for admitting that you're still a Cowboys fan. <laughs> uh, Secondly, I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, the Cowboys put a lot on Dak's shoulders this past season, and I think he handled it pretty well. Uh, But looking at the most recent elite quarterbacks that had contract extensions and comparing Dak Prescott to them, uh, we looked, I looked at Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers, and the one thing that's separating those guys from Dak is they either have an MVP trophy in their case or they've kissed a Lombardi trophy. And, you know, Dak has yet to do that. He does have the winning records and he does have, you know, um, he does have the winning record in the statistics to back it. But does he really take this team over the top? And I think that's what it comes down to. But then looking at it from Dak Prescott's perspective, looking at that Cowboys roster, you know, Tyron Smith signed the biggest contract for a left tackle. Uh, Travis Frederick, before he retired, he was the highest paid center. Zach Martin was the highest paid guard. Amari Cooper just got a bag. Jalen Smith got a bag. And I'm just looking at it like this dude, Dak Prescott, is supposedly the leader of this team. And it's supposed to be like a son almost to – to Jerry Jones, you know, taking Tony Romo's place. And I'm like, how is this the one dude that you're, like, hesitant to pay? And I think it it ultimately does come down to the number. And I think, like you said, he was asking for $40 million, which is Aaron Rodgers-type money. He's definitely not on that level yet. But looking at what he's done to that team and the leadership that he brings to the locker room, I think he's more than deserving of getting that type of contract.
1: You know, when it comes to Dak, he has all, you know, the intangibles, you know, leadership, you know, stability. He's going to always say the right things. But I think, you know, it's more to the quarterback position than just intangibles, especially in this day and age. Like, you got to be able to ball the way, you know, like like you said, he has the statistics, but they were a lot of empty statistics when the Cowboys were down a lot of points. I watched, I would say, 14 games. And like I said, a lot of those yards came when they were down 14 uh, points, 21 points. So, you know, I think those statistics were overblown. I think Dak is a thirty-eight, 3,900-yard passing guy with like 25, 26 touchdowns. Uh, and I don't think that kind of guy com- uh, commands $40 million a year, you know. But, you know, like I said, he's the right guy for this team. But I just don't agree with paying him $40 million. But that's just me.
0: Yeah, I don't agree either, but like I said, when you take into account the guys that have gotten paid on that team and looking at what he's brought to that team himself, I think you have no choice but to pay him because you've already set the standard that these guys that perform up to par, you're going to give them big paydays, and Dak has done that, and I think he definitely deserves his money. Moving on to our next topic in basketball, uh, it was a topic of discussion. There's a start, bench, or cut. And the three players for this one are Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, and Derrick Rose. So, Jimmy, who would you decide to start, bench, and cut?
1: Obviously, I had to start Russ. I think Russ has been the best point guard in the league for the last several years. You know, I had to put Kyrie on the bench, you know, because of his scoring, his explosiveness. And I had to cut D Rose. I know that's gonna upset a lot of people who are D Rose fans, but listen, man, that was the easiest decision. Like that was the easiest decision out of all of them. You know, you know, I like D Rose. You know, he had a, a great, you know, early start of his career. You know, injuries, you know, robbed this man. You know, if injuries has robbed one player more than I've ever seen in sports, it's been D Rose. You know, he had the MVP year, what year two, and uh, you know, year three he was averaging like twenty one and seven again. You know, he was an all-star again, but, you know, in- injuries like Rob that man, of, you know, what he could have been, we might be having a different discussion in terms, you know, the best point guard in the league right now. I'm pretty sure we would be having a different discussion. But for me, you know, if you look at Russ's, you know, career numbers now, he's having 23 points, seven boards, and eight assists a game. He's a nine-time all-star and an eight-time All-NBA performer. He's a two-time scoring champ and a two-time assist champ, and he also has an MVP under his belt. And he's been to the NBA Finals, so, you know, and he performed well, and you know, in their finals, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, so for me, Russ was a no-brainer. You know, when it comes to Kyrie, Kyrie is you know, is a showman all on his own. He's a bona fide bucket getter, and he also shoots the ball pretty well. He shoots about forty-seven percent from the field, about thirty-nine percent from three, and almost eighty-eight percent from the free throw line. You know, so those type of guys, you know, you need guys that going to bring instant offense off the bench and that's why I chose to go with uh Kyrie you know over D-Rose he's a more efficient shooter I think he's a, a better scorer overall and I think they bring about the same level of playmaking and defense because we both know Kyrie can lock him in when he needs to and I'm pretty sure D-Rose could do the same thing so you know I just decided ultimately I decided to go with Kyrie over D-Rose in terms of the bench spot.
0: All right, so, yeah, I did agree with you, All-Star and Westbrook. I mean, you can't deny his resume. He's an MVP, nine-time All-Star, two-time MVP of the All-Star game, eight-time All-NBA, and he's led the league twice in both scoring and assists. And in my opinion, Russ is easily a top 40 or 50 player of all time. Uh, But I think Russ would definitely get a lot more love if he wasn't playing in the same conference as um, Curry and Harden, but uh, Russ to me is the most athletic and explosive point guard that we've ever seen in the NBA. And one thing you never question about Russ is his effort, and he always is going to give you 110% on the court. And anytime there's a guy like that, he can definitely start on my team any day. Now, this is where I veered off away from you. I actually got D-Rose on my bench we all know he was the youngest MVP in NBA history. Should have gone Three-time to the Three-time All-Star. Yeah, anyway. Three-time All-Star, made the All-NBA team, and he got a Rookie of the Year trophy. You know, unfortunately, his career has not been the same since that 2012 ACL tear. I can never live, live that down, because Coach Thibodeau should have definitely took him out in that fourth quarter They had a double-digit lead over the 76ers. There is no reason why he should have still been in the game. And even before that, Thibodeau used to run him into the ground. His first three years in the NBA, D-Rose averaged 37 minutes a game. And I think when you combine that with the way he attacked the basket and his reckless playing style, I think it was only a matter of time before his body failed him. But to me, D Rose walked so Russ could run. Because before Russ, D Rose was easily the most athletic PG in the NBA. I mean, he had Russ's athletic ability and explosiveness. And he also had Kyrie's finishing ability at the rim. And both of those packaged in the one. I mean, how can you beat that? And if it weren't for the big three of Miami. And the ACL tear in 2012, you could have easily made the case that the Bulls could have been champions in either the 2011 or 2012 season. Um, and then, of course, that leaves Kyrie. He's the one I chose to cut. Um, you know, he also has a lengthy list of accolades. He's a six-time All-Star in his own right, two-time All-NBA selection, also rookie of the year. And then, like you mentioned, he won the 2016 championship with Bron. Uh But, you know, his availability has been a question just like D. Rose. In his nine years, he's only played in more than 60 games four times. Not to mention this year he was ruled out with a shoulder injury before before the season was suspended because of coronavirus. Uh, But at his peak, he was the perfect Robin to LeBron in the 2016 finals. And we all know that he hit arguably the biggest clutch shot in recent memory, outside from Ray Allen's three in Miami. Uh, but Kyrie's the best shooter of the group, and he easily has the best handles, which you can make the case. He has the best handles we've ever seen in NBA history. Uh, but what drew the line for me was his ability as a leader. Uh Kyrie was the one that voiced that he didn't want to play with LeBron anymore in Cleveland and forced his way out. And then As the focal point of the Celtics team, not only was his leadership questionable and did he cause a rift in the locker room, but he also wasn't available. And you can make the argument that that Celtics team was even better in the playoffs without him on the court. So just being nitpicky and taking all that into consideration, that's why I chose to go with my boy D-Rose over Kyrie.
1: Man, I just... I don't know. For some reason, I just couldn't. I just couldn't pick uh, D Rose over Kyrie. We've seen Kyrie do it on the biggest stage, you know. In game, I want to say it was a game four or five. Him and Brian put up forty-one apiece, like you know. In game it, five. In, in terms of the leadership, you know, if you got if you got Kyrie coming off the bench, you don't really need leadership from him. You got Russ and you know your other starters for that. You just need Kyrie to come in and be an assassin and get buckets. You don't need nothing else from Kyrie. Like Lou Williams, he's a you know, Lou Williams is obviously a leader in the Clippers organization, but he doesn't say much. But, you know, when Lou step on the court, he's going to give you buckets. It's just that simple. You know, when fourth quarter comes, you know, you can put the ball in his hand and he's going to get you a bucket when you need one. I think it's kind of the same thing with, you would have uh, with that Kyrie dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, Russ, of course, Russ was a, was a given. You know, he's the only guy, one of the only guys I've ever seen that's going to give 110% on every possession every night and every game. You know, and the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, he's similar to D. Rose in terms of the athleticism. But I think Russ maybe even took it to another level. You, We've seen some of the things he's been able to do with the dunks and, you know, all those things, you know, the rebounding and all the assisting and all this stuff. So, you know, I think Russ is in a class of his own. But, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't that tough a decision to cut D. Rose. You know, thinking about the injury history, you know, and the similarities in the skill set with uh, Kyrie, I think Kyrie was a better shooter. So, I think, you know, with Russ being your starter, you know, Russ is really not a great shooter at all. You can't have a guy that's similar that's coming right behind him that's not really a shooter as well. I, uh, according to uh, pro f- basketball reference, they shoot the same exact percentage from three, which is 30.4%. So, you know, I took it into consideration, you know, Kyrie's a exponentially better shooter than both of those guys. So, I figured, you know, Kyrie would be the that, that nice balance going off the bench with shooting.
0: Well, I just don't know anybody that wouldn't want an MVP coming off their bench. And, you know, I always say LeBron is the GOAT, but as a Bulls fan, which is crazy because Jordan, you know, played for the Bulls, I'm a Bulls fan because of D. Rose. I mean, when he came in the league, we had seen nothing like D. Rose before, which I think kind of went into why he was voted MVP in his third year in the league. And the way he elevated that Bulls franchise to championship-level contention, I mean, Kyrie has yet to do that. So, until then, I'm just going to keep giving D. Rose the edge. But that's just me.
1: I mean, but D. Rose didn't do it on his own, though. You know, he had Ronnie Brewer. He had Luau Dang. He had Joaquin Noah. He had uh, Kirk Heinrich and Carlos Boozer. So, he had a solid team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, You know, Boston had a good team, too, you know, a couple years ago with Kyrie. I don't think, uh, you know, there was a young Jason Tatum and, uh, you know, a young Jalen Brown, not the, not the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum we see today. If we had the guys we see today with, you know, Kyrie Irving, I think we may be having a different
0: conversation. But then Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown also took LeBron to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals with without Terry
1: Kyrie. They had Terry Rose there. Don't forget about Scary Terry. He was a – it was an integral part of that team. He averaged 17, I think, while Kyrie was down. You know, they wouldn't have done it definitely without Scary Terry.
0: Exactly. But if you take D-Rose off those Bulls teams, where would they be?
1: They might In the Eastern Conference, they might still be a player Lottery
0: player. pick. Lottery pick. They had Carlos Boozer and Luol Ding as their secondary and third scorers. Listen, it's the Eastern Conference we're talking about, man. They could have been the eighth seed. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. All right, bro. Well, did you have anything else to add on?
1: Uh no, nah, I think it's pretty simple. You know, Russ and then Kyrie and then D Rose gotta get cut. I don't feel like that should be an argument. But you know, the D Rose fan club, you know, gonna come after me. I don't care. I'm taking out taking on all haters. Yeah,
0: alright. Well be prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that's all we have for y'all today. Once again, we appreciate y'all for rocking with us and tuning in to this episode of the First and Foremost podcast. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at first underscore foremost eight. Follow us uh, on our Facebook group page. Uh, it's just first and foremost podcast, as well as Instagram is first underscore and underscore foremost. And let us know if you have any topic suggestions. And be sure to like and subscribe to our channels. In the meantime, be on the lookout for next week's show. We are your hosts. I'm Quentin Douglas.
1: And I'm Jimmy Covington.
0: We out. All right. Thank y'all.